Welcome to the podcast, The Common Bridge with Richard Helpy. Rich is a successful entrepreneur in the technology, health, and finance space. He and his wife, Leslie, are also philanthropists with interest in civic and artistic endeavors, but with a primary focus on medically and educationally underserved children. My name is Brian Kruger, and from time to time, I'll be the moderator and host of this podcast. So welcome. Uh, uh, today we're doing episode three of Richard Helpy's Common Bridge. And um, although this is uh, really a, a middle-of-the-road conversation on just about every topic, we are hitting in, into an election cycle. So we're going to have to talk about the big white elephant in the room, and that's the election process, and that's the, both parties. And we're going to talk a little bit about today about uh, the Democrats because I think we understand who the Republican um, uh, candidate will be. We do have some news items this week that might change that a bit. I don't think so. So let's talk a little bit about the election. And Rich, um, thanks for sitting down with us again. Tell me a little bit about what you see on the horizon, uh, anywhere from the multitude of candidates that are out there. And who do you sort of uh, like isn't the word or if it is the word or what do you see happening as this develops in the next year? Well, well Brian, uh, it's a really good question. And uh if anybody's ever 100% right on this, um, you know, we should uh, get them to pick our lottery numbers or something. Um, that, you know, first of all, uh, we need to examine how we got here uh, before we can figure out where we're headed from here. Um, but you're right. My thrust in life, my, my fervent desire is that we can drop the partisanship, get to a common bridge. And the way I pick the name common bridge is this. If we want to build a supportable span over a chasm or a river, and all we do is build up the pillar on one side, that span is never going to reach the other side. It's going to fall. So whether you're on the right bank or the left bank, um, they can't succeed on their own. And so we need to have a government, again, that actually responds to issues instead of responding to personalities. Um, I, I think 2016 presidential election uh, was really uh, pivotal for a number of reasons, but not the reasons most people think. Um, but I think Americans were pretty well fed up with the two major parties. And I said at that time that the only good thing about the nomination of Donald Trump was it would destroy the establishment of the Republican Party. And if you watch what's transpired since then, um, that did occur. I also said, you know, the election of Donald Trump would destroy the establishment of the Democratic Party. <laughs> and um, it has certainly uh, created uh, uh, rifts in that party, although their establishment is fighting back very, very hard. Um, you can't hardly access media or read a so-called journalistic piece without people saying what a horrible mistake the country made in 2016 electing Donald Trump and uh, we're going to purge ourselves of that. And I thought to myself, okay, if it was such a horrible mistake, why isn't the other major party bringing forth the nominee they had in 2016 and giving America a chance to pick Hillary Clinton again? She's perfectly healthy to do it again if she could. Indeed. And, and which shows you how empty that argument really is. And we've all seen the behavior of our president. 
And look, whether you like the economy, whether you like the destruction of ISIS, whether you like the uh, action on the border and so forth, you have to admit that every American cringes not knowing what's going to get tweeted out at three in the morning, all right, or the constantly changing positions and so forth. All right. It's an uncomfortable time at best. Trump has been a disruptor. Yes, indeed. <laughs> um, and all the opposition party had to do was, was act like adults, get a platform that America likes, and present a reasonable candidate. In fact, two of the three, it'd be a landslide. <laughs> and yet, what have they done? Uh, they've acted like children from the uh, street marches, the property destruction after an election, um, to uh, the horrible behavior at the Supreme Court uh, nomination, all right, to the uh, hoax investigations that are going on, to the, yes, this time we've got him on impeachment. It's like, give it a rest for Pete's sake. Think about a platform that America wants and come up with a candidate. And everybody would get behind that. It, it would. Uh, right. People are hunger for that. So the answer is not going to be in partisan politics. All right. I don't believe, um, you know, no matter what the outcome of the election is going to be, that people are going to go, OK, great. We've got that behind us. Um, <laughs> and the really sad thing is that when you look at the people that are struggling in the Democrat primary, like John Hickenlooper, who's out, well qualified to be president of the United States. Um, uh, Delaney, Bennett, uh, Tulsi Gabbard, maybe a little early for Tulsi, but um, these voices of reason that are not ideologues and know how to operate a government, uh, they're long out of the process at this point. And so what, and I don't think Biden will get the nomination, uh, but we've got Joe Biden, who has served his country in many capacities, um, who is a, I've never met him, but apparently is a very likable guy. But he has a decades-long history of making racist remarks, which he's still doing, and saying things that are just inane, all right? And yet we have a, a media structure that wants to try to cover that, spin it, and, oh, that's Joe being Joe. Well, you know, people are onto that. There's just too many media outlets. Right. Um, so that, this is where we stand today. Now, I, I will say that um, I, I think that Senator Warren— from Massachusetts, is running a very, very smart campaign, right? Mm -hmm. That she has focused on issues um, to the point that's become her tagline. <laughs> um, and why I, I admire that because it's the only way that you can really challenge Donald Trump. If you get into a personality war or try to talk about his behavior or you talk about his personality deficiencies, you know, we've seen many, many people come at that and lose. And he's got 50 years of media savvy behind him. He's been, on, he's been in front of the camera forever. He, it, knows, it, he knows how to do this. It, indeed. And, and uh, you know, there's a, there's a saying about oh, only fight on the ground you can win on. Yeah. You, you, nobody can win on that ground, and they've tried, and he's just stomped everybody. All right? And there's a huge part of the population that loves watching that. So it's that immovable base they talk about, right? It's well, I'm, I think that's a little overplayed um, <laughs> because when you hear people talk about the immovable base, um, that's where the whole notion of clinging to your guns and religion come from. 
where it was a planned line. It was an applause line in speeches that his supporters were deplorables. It was used twice before the national media picked it up. Yeah, I'll remember it, yeah. That um, we were told that people here in the upper Midwest were too stupid to vote for Hillary Clinton. And I'm thinking, you know, why not come and hear what the people are saying? All right. And to date, there has not been an apology. There's not been an admission that they messed up. It's been uh, you guys are so stupid that we're just going to change the rules, the Electoral College, so we don't have to deal with your opinions. All right. That's, you know, that's kind of the reaction that we've we've gotten. And you think that 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 was one of the chief results in um, the Democrats not not carrying Wisconsin and Michigan like they normally would? Well, Hillary Clinton never went to a union hall in the state of Michigan. And insane. It's the birthplace of organized labor, the Walter, home of Walter Ruther, Walter the, the UAW, where, where people need to appreciate that real blood was spilled and real sacrifice were made for, to create working conditions that many of us enjoy today. All right. And it's a proud history. Absolutely created our childhood. Yes, it did. And, and uh, to not understand that, all right, and to instead spend your time in New York or on the other coast raising money from wealthy donors and then not even going to the state of Wisconsin. Are you kidding me? So so not only not understanding it, but taking it for granted. Like, we've got that. We don't need to go to Michigan. We don't need to go to Wisconsin. They, they'll fall in line. Well, they, didn't, they never addressed it. That, that, and, that's, and they still haven't come back? Now, I should, in fairness, say, um, and I've, a, I've been a regular voter since I'm 18. I don't know that I've ever missed an election. Um, I voted in 2016, uh, but I could not bring myself to vote for either major party candidate. Same here. All right. That, <laughs> I just couldn't do it. It was uh, someone not qualified to be in the office um, and someone with such a history of corruption that um, I, I just didn't want to see her take the next step in, in sure. government. I think a lot, of people, a lot of people felt that way. Yeah, so we need choices. And, and when I look at today, um, the Democrats' process today is eliminating their best, most electable candidates. Um, that, you know, I think they're the best chance for the Democrats would be to nominate Senator Warren. Um, and then, uh, she would need to make a couple of pivots. Um, the first thing would be to have the vice president choice be a, uh, pro business person. Mm-hmm. Um, that would balance the ticket. She would also need to, does that person have to be a minority? Um, could could she run on a on a dual female ticket? Oh too? sure, oh okay. sure, she could run on a dual female ticket. I think it's uh, less important uh, the the gender or the um, ethnic characteristics um, as, as more of it is it, the the best thing that Trump can do today to get reelection is to look at people and say if you like the fact that you're working, if you like the fact that your wages are going up. If you like the fact that more Americans have left support programs and food stamp programs and, and such, vote for me because they're going to mess it up. Mm-hmm. Senator Warren, if she gets the nomination, needs to first step say, I'm not going to undo anything that you've benefited from. And here's where we go next. Because this is steamrolling ahead well. Indeed. And, and so fear of loss is a great motivator. And that's what the president in his reelection bid will be selling, will be fear of loss. And so to for the Democrats to try to convince the country 
that they're in despair and they're not doing well is just a bad argument. They should what and again, a lot of the, the if you look at the agenda uh, of, of Senator Warren, the agenda is quite good. Um, I don't agree with much of the proposals, but it's an idea at least. And through the legislative process, perhaps some progress can be made around consumer protections, around getting past the uh, subprime crisis known as student debt. All right. That. Uh, can we spin off for a second on that? I, I, I haven't asked you about that before. Um, do you want to talk a bit about student debt? I mean, it's massive. And is, is it sort of something we want to cover on another podcast sometime? Oh, let me. I'll, I'm going to give you the teaser on, on, on this. <laughs> That's it, what I was it, looking for. <laughs> Look, what's the definition of a subprime loan? It's loaning money to people that don't have the means to pay it back. Should be a red flag. It, yeah, so loans were made to people with no assets, no income, no job, all right? And they took on thousands of debt and also no accountability. Student loans is a bigger subprime scandal, loaning money to people, students, with, that have no assets, because they, they're, they're young, they have no income, all right, because they don't have jobs, because they have to go to college first, and, and then expecting them to pay it back, how was this supposed to work? So now we, and, and not even accountability that the money actually got spent in education, person could drop out, and I know a couple of personal friends that did that, or ch children of friends that, that did that, so you've now burned a generation that when they graduate should be out buying homes and refrigerators and cars and things like that are coming home to try to work off a debt equivalent of what a mortgage on a first home would be. With no asset to back it With up. With no asset yeah. to back it up. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's criminal that, that we've done that and that the... the uh, you know, the other part of people that were responsible and figured out a way to finance their education, do we, you know, what would be fair with them? Okay, that's a huge, I don't know the answer to that, by the way. <laughs> um, but the, 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 what, what happened because of this uh, student loans being fundamentally subprime lending, it just flooded colleges and universities with, with money instead of making them develop their offerings at a price point that people could afford. And so it's, it's, the, um, um, it's the, the, the observation that you always hear. I, I was at XYZ College. I was in Madison, Wisconsin. That's a gorgeous campus. And, um, and everybody kind of melts like, yeah, it really is nice, isn't it? Well, it should be. I mean, the, the amount of money that those companies, they, they better make it look, at least make it look beautiful. And the same is true with any college campus. And there you have it, right? It's all the money flows in, and there's no accountability to say, "Look, you know, we're going to make our product better." But I, but I, but again, I was getting off of sure. what Senator Warren at yeah. least has an agenda. She at least has a plan. Um, will will people embrace her as a leader? Um, but I think one of the things, if she gets a nomination, she's going to have to give people assurance that the progress they've seen in their own lives over the last four years that she's not going to mess it up. Mm -hmm. So we're in this space, and, and, and I, want to, uh, I want to ask you about this because I think your opinion is really interesting in some of this. If you, if you got placed into the camp of uh, 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 Elizabeth Warren, you know, Rich Helpy, we, we need you to give us some advice on how to run this. 
Don't you think her biggest battle is going to be going against that hard, hard left socialist side of the Democratic Party? And how does she come out on that? Or do you think that there's enough on that on the left that would elevate her enough to get her that and then get the votes, get enough of the people to vote that were way down the socialistic side of the uh, spectrum? What you've just spoken to is really the polarization that is damaging the country so badly. And the Republicans went through this with the Tea Party and trying to manage to the um, a, an ideological purity on the right. And they didn't do that well with it. And the, the lesson of history would go to Senator Warren or whomever gets the, the nomination and say, this is where I'm going with the country because this is practicable. And then contrast that with what is is the other major party offering, mm-hmm. right? But that's the issue, and that's why we have to get to a common ground through a common bridge. And that, um, you know, the Wall Street is very afraid of Senator Warren. Um, I, I mean, some of the policies are things that could hamper the the economy, um, but that's not law. All right, these are proposals to try to m- move the needle. And you think be- between now and election time, she can move that a little bit to draw in a little bit more of a good Democratic base? If, if she doesn't, it'll be a landslide of proportions that, for, in favor of Trump. It'll be a, it'll... And, and I think it's looking like that. And, and here's the thing. So, so Elizabeth Warren gets the nomination. How do you get a historical bunch of people, let's say under, the, under, under 30, uh, group to get out and vote because they just don't. They get they get mad and they can they they, uh, they tend to burn things and get you know riot in the streets before they they vote to make sure that their candidate wins. Well, I mean, I think there's a lot of responsible people under thirty and in their thirties that, that, that <laughs> I just threw a big that, that, that don't do that. But um, <laughs> there is a theory that um, the Democrats have to fall in love with their candidate, um, and and there is more of appeal to the emotion. On that side versus the pragmatism, mm-hmm. and that's the nature of the beast for it, both sides. Indeed, and it may be more about appealing to the pragmatism. And so, if I was advising Senator Warren, and if she gets a nomination, I would really stress where do we go from here, um, and acknowledge that you know at the pocketbook issues things are pretty good right now, um, and then move to the you know how do we invoke more fairness into the system and so forth. Um, And again, I think she's doing a brilliant job with the campaign. I think she's treading a fine line between the uh, Medicare for all um, that now that people have seen the bill, they go, well, wait a minute, that's not really what we want. (laughs) So the the kind of, you know, uh, catchphrase is off. Um, And she's a very, she's a hardworking person. She's, uh, uh, you know, good economist and such. but she's gonna. But she's gonna have a very difficult time separating herself uh, from what people fear about the the Democrats that they've moved too far left. Yeah. So you and think? The, you, and there's you a think, lot of ammunition out there for that. Oh sure. And you, and you think that that's her biggest hill to climb, or do you think that maybe hill to climb is the wrong one, or do you think the next biggest thing she needs to worry about is that running mate? How can she? How can that running mate then bring in a bunch more? Right. Right. The running mate is the ticket to being competitive in November of 2020. Mm-hmm. All right, that's that's going to be. I mean, if you think about it, if I'm playing the hand of the president, all right, I would point at her 
and say all of the unemployment numbers, which are impressive no matter how you want to cut them, the increase in wages, the fact that the taxes on the um, coastal elites is starting to get balanced a little bit, which is a aspect of the tax system that's long been overdue that, that this current president Trump fixed, um, point at all those and say they want to go backward. Okay. And if she plays into that, she loses. She has to acknowledge that those gains have been made and then point to the future and say, this is where I'm going and I'm the adult leader to take you there. And that's where I give her really high marks is that she has behaved like an adult. And that is one of the, to me, three elements for the Democrats. Act like adults, platform that America wants, reasonable candidate. Now, do you think that's because of our age? Is, is it our uh, our generation that longs for that? Or do you really think that there's a group that's under 40 or under 30 that said, no, I, I want something bigger and ra more radical and more change? And do you think that will be the demise of the Democrats in the next election cycle? Well, if, I don't if, think they have enough people for that, do they? It, I, I think it's great to have uh, vision and great to be bold. And it's easier to do when you're young, all right, and you have more time to recover from your mistakes. Yeah. Um, but I think when you deal with people and they start to unwrap what does it really mean and what does it really mean to me, um, that's when you start to get folks to the point of being reasonable, which kind of takes us back full circle around our media. Um, it's really it's fear tactics and it's join my team. And the other people, the others, are evil. So don't listen or talk to them. Cut them off your social media. Don't invite them for Thanksgiving dinner. Um, be loud and proud that you have. You don't listen to anybody that doesn't agree with you, which is what they, they need to, to spew. Um, those people, I don't think you can reach. Yeah, well, and again, I think people are more media savvy today. Um, and not to endorse or steer people away from a particular program, but you mentioned Hannity. Mm -hmm. When it was Hannity and Combs, I enjoyed watching that the show. Yep. It was a yep. point counterpoint. Um, although I often liken Alan Combs to the Washington Generals of the store, <laughs> <laughs> if you understand that reference, yeah, it's our first Globetrotters reference yeah, today, yeah, folks, and, and, and hopefully it won't be the last. <laughs> yeah, and and, uh, <laughs> and that was an interesting pro. I haven't watched Hannity, you know, since then because. It's predictable what he's going to say. And it's ascetic. It's as, it's as ascetic as the other side. I think. It, it gets back to what our Yeah, and, and, and so, yeah. so there's, there's, there's a market for that. There's a taste for that. But, you know, for me personally, um, I like to hear it all. Yeah. I like to weigh the pros and cons. And nobody has all the right answers. You have been listening to Richard Helpy's Common Bridge podcast. Recording and post-production provided by Stunt3 Multimedia. All rights are reserved by Richard Helpy. For more information, visit richardhelpy.com.